Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Uh, welcome to Living Free Show on 3CR on community radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. Hi, I'm Bill, and I'd like to pay my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. Each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the 12-step programs that assist recovery from drugs, alcohol and gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. Today I'd like to welcome Terry to the 3CR studio. Hi, Terry. How you going, Bill? Uh, so Terry's a member of um, Gamblers Anonymous. He's a compulsive gambler. And Terry's been on the show before, a couple of years ago, back in early 2018. Um, and today he's going to do a bit of a recap of his, of his history and also tell us um, about what's been happening in the last three years in Gamblers Anonymous and in his life. Um, so Terry, would you like to... Um, I guess start off by giving us a bit of background, how you came to gambling and what, how you think your, um, your early life contributed towards the, the direction you took yeah. in life. No worries, Bill. I really think uh, in early life in primary school when you had the fates and you used to have the games like the lucky dips and the um, throw the coins into the squares and you'd have – I, I got that uh, – illness of uh, addiction where I wanted to win, 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 win. And then as I got through to my early teens, I started on the Space Invaders and the uh, and all the games that were in the arcades and uh, I got really good at them, <laughs> really compulsive. And uh, a lot of money um, was spent in them, you know, with nothing to win except for a high score. And I hit, hit the age of 16 and um, I was in Albury and... I walked into a pokey venue and uh, pulled my first handle, and that was it. Uh, did you Did you win the first time? No, no. no but <laughs> just the noise of the coins falling onto the onto the tray was enough to make you think that the skill that you had in the video games you could do with the pokies back then. You know. So how how much do you think the video games contributed to, to towards your love of sort of colour and movement and sound? Yeah, I think it had the same same sort of uh, what brainwave patterns that you get when you're gambling, like the excitement that you can beat this or the excitement I'm going to get the high score or I can go to the next level. I think it does sort of play into that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I guess in the old video games, it was, I guess, repetition as well. It was game after game. So did you, how could you monitor yourself at that time and only play one game or was it? No, a lot of my brother's money was put through that, yeah. He doesn't know that, so I hope he's not listening. But, yeah, a lot of his money was put through that, and I got that skillful because I was wagging school. I was wagging months off, off school to go and play those things in the city. They had, like, big arcades in the city back in the 80s. Yes. And um, I was always there, and Mum thought I was at school, mm. you know. So what about family life? You, you mentioned a brother, but yeah. was did you have a happy family life? Um, yeah, my mum, my mum uh, adopted me. Um, she was a foster mother, and um, there was always babies coming in and out. 
So really, there was like three kids, maybe three foster kids and myself, but because I was adopted, the youngest one closest to me was five years young, uh, older. So I really wasn't in their group, if yeah. you know what I mean. And my brother was very, very successful. He, he was a workaholic from... Well, he's, he's a hard worker. <laughs> he's yeah. a hard worker. And even now at 60-whatever years old, he's still got two jobs. And, uh, you know, he's a multimillionaire, self-made. And I was always comparing myself to him and trying to be like him. And my career wasn't going to be like his because I'm not a hard worker. I work hard at trying to not find hard work, you know. Yeah. And he found that out once when he hired me. He had to sack me because every time he drove away, I sat down. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I always had that ambition to be like my brother. And my dad was very successful too. So, you know, it was a work, 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 study, work, study, work. So I always had that to look up to, but I wasn't that frame wasn't of mind. That kind of kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what about school? Did you enjoy school? I did. I did. The teachers didn't enjoy me, but um, I got kicked out of three schools. Um, most of the time, I was just a clown of the class. I didn't study. Um, it was really somewhere to go and meet my mates. I'd wag half the time and go and play those games anyway. And then when I started, I used to, I used to be a boxer because I was picked on at school all the time. And... Um, I wouldn't wear my glasses to school. So if you can't see the blackboard, you can't do the work. Yeah. So I was always a disruption anyway, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the things we do. Mm. Yeah, uh, and I guess back in those days, there was less care given to kids who didn't really fit in or didn't didn't conform. Um, yeah, they, they, you're more of a pest to them, so if they could get rid of you, they could. Yeah. You know, and the school I went to was a community school, or well, the third school I went to was a community school. And you could just put your hand up and go, Colin, I'm going. Yeah, no worries, Terry, see you tomorrow. Yeah. And your parents wouldn't even know. Mm. Yeah, when I was going to school, there was a, a kid who wasn't particularly bright and the headmaster would um, use him to mow the lawns. And so we'd be sitting in class and this kid would be <laughs> out in the oval mowing the lawn. And it was yeah. like everybody was going, it's a bit unusual. Um, but that was, that was really the way it was. Um, they didn't... You know, there wasn't that same, um, I guess, commitment to the kids yeah. that was getting through it. Well, as you brought that up, I just thought of a couple of kids that went right through our school that can't read or write yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. pretty bad. That's yeah. tragic, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Tragic oversight of responsibility. Um, so I guess it, it takes a bit of money to to play the games all the time. So as a as a child... Where'd you get the money? I think I might have mentioned that already about my brother. Yeah. Um, mum used to give me money when I asked for it. Uh, like, say, I, I was going to the football, or she thought I was going to the football. She'd give me money for the football, and that would end up in the games. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really... I don't think I really... Oh, well, taking it from my brother, stealing, isn't it? Yeah. So I was stealing. I was stealing. Uh God, I hope he's not listening to this. I'm going to get a bashing. But um, yeah, um, yeah. My brother, my brother, because he worked in the pub, he had change pockets, and he used to put all his change into a jar, and then you know all of a sudden he didn't have fifty cent pieces, and then you know, um, so you know, was, I know it's wrong, and I know I owe something to him now, <laughs> even at fifty three. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah, that's the only way I really got money. I didn't go robbing anything back then, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so were you attracted to anything else? Were you attracted to any smoking or alcohol or drugs? Um, I, I, not at that time, not at that time. Um, I think I became compulsive at my my sport because um, I was getting beat up and stuff like that, and I think I became uh, an addict to training, and that's why I became successful at that that sport. I trained every day, I ran every night, you know. I did exactly what I should have been doing, and I think a lot of sports people are addicts, you know, and that's why they succeed so well. And also you see a lot of sports people, after they finish their sport, pick up an addiction like drinking drugs or gambling yeah when they yeah when they're coming down from the high yes yeah yeah so i think Mm. that's a big thing we see a lot of people in gamblers anonymous that have been on the main stage okay yeah playing in Mm. grand finals (laughs) i won't mention any names but you know yeah it it must be difficult to come down out of that elevated position and realize you're just human again uh yeah uh that's for sure so you know, talking about school then, so you you were saying you you developed or you got into boxing because you were being targeted as a as a youth. Yeah. So what was it like then to gain the ascendancy through boxing? Uh, sometimes you can become a bully yourself. Yeah. You know, um, I think through that time I went and found a lot of people that used to bully me and... Um, Stood over him a bit. Um, I can remember one guy. Uh, he was about five years older than me, and I found him at a arcade, and he was more or less nearly in tears because he thought I was going to bash him. And I knew if I bashed him or hurt him, mm. I was just much a bully as he was when he bullied me. So I yeah. just walked away. Yeah. Yeah. So some weren't so so lucky, but he was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so you left school early. Um, I did the, the amount of years that you're supposed to, but <laughs> the minimum. I did three three year tens, <laughs> but that's all right. Yeah. Mum pulled me out the last year, so yeah. And so, if if you had difficulty learning at school, what was life like going out to work? Um, I, I chose a career where I didn't have to be a brainiac or be smart I went into the railways uh, and I knew because I had the ambition from my brother and that I knew that in the railways they go on seniority and all you have to do is study a couple of courses and you can move mm. up in the ranks yeah which I was one of the fastest movers in the um, signaling grades in the railways so by the time I was uh, 20 I was um, a special class signalman so okay yeah. yeah, so I guess that meant that you had a bit of money as well. Yes. Yeah. So did the money? Did your gambling increase the more money you got? Yes. Every uh, every weekend off that I had, me and my ex-wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, would shoot up to Albury, <laughs> back where it started. Yeah. And <clears throat> with their with her parents or family, and have a pokey weekend or um, you know whatever. So you'd drink, you'd play pokies, you'd be in a motel with a spa pool. It was, it was like a weekend away it was fantastic yeah yeah so did you have any decent wins or not 
Um, if I did have any decent wins, I went straight back in. Yeah. Um, because there was going to be a bigger one. Um, I remember one time where I, I'm not going to mention figures of money. Yeah. But there was a huge amount of money, and I was just going to take it back to this level, and then I'd go just under that level, and then I'd go back to this level, and I walked out with nothing. Yeah. So <clears> yeah. And when I had that win, I had my arms on both chairs going, what do you want to drink? What do you want to drink? I'm just king shit, you know, just becoming egotistic. Yeah. Mm. So. And what's it like to lose it after winning it? Oh. What's that feeling? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, you just feel like a low life. You feel like you want to kill yourself. You feel, I think the only reason I'm alive is because I, um, I raised my kids on my own. But, um, if I didn't have them, I think there would have been times where I would have just gone and taken something and finished myself off. Mm. Especially when you're knocking on your mum's door looking for money. And my mum's got an Order of Australia medal, so she's a really yeah. giving person. And you're looking for money and she's so afraid of the face that mm. you've got on, you know, because she can see how angry you are and, mm. and she doesn't deserve stuff like that. No. And I hope my brother's not listening again. <laughs> I'm stuffed. <laughs> yeah. So you know, your your work meant that you you had income. Yep. But you couldn't keep the income very long. So was it life difficult as a gambler? You know, you you had plenty of money, but it all went to the gambling. Yep. So um, how how do you live between pay packets? Well, you live between pay packets, but I actually was smart enough to hand over the money to my wife when we were married. And we actually bought a house, and she was making triple payments on the house, which was leaving us with nothing, which made me want to gamble more to get something. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I was just, okay. And then I was obviously gambling while she wasn't home, and we weren't seeing each other because we were building rotating shifts. So when she wasn't home, I was down gambling or whatever. So, yeah, very difficult, and we ended up losing that house. Yeah. So, so, do you want to talk through that sort of losing the house? What you know, going from having a house to not having a house mm. is is not a five minute activity. No. So, how many years did that take? Well, my my ex wife left me ninety seven, and left me with three kids. Like she took off and left the three kids as well. And so I couldn't do rotating shifts anymore. So I ended up being on a pension. So I've gone down from like a $75,000 a year job to a $23,000 a year pension. Um, then she wouldn't pay half her mortgage. And so I decided as a 29-year-old with half a brain, I won't pay my half either. I'll fix you. And um, because she'd been making the triple payments, we had a bit of equity in the house which allowed me to stay there for about a year before they uh, actually took the house office at the bank. Mm. Yeah, so, so I was gambling out of control when I was raising the kids on myself, by myself. Yeah. Um, there was one, one instant where I actually left the kids at home, went to gamble and forgot that I had a um, human services appointment with a child protection. And I come home and found child protection sitting on the couch with my kids. Yeah. Mm. Not good. No, no, I was, I, I was very lucky. My mum was uh, a foster mother, and that she had connections, and I was actually able to do a program through them to to keep my kids. Yeah. 
So it it sounds very lucky. Mm. Okay. Also, we might take a break there. Come on, come in and hear the best live pop music from around town. It's your chance to tune in. So come on, come in. Live on Thursdays, 3 p.m. 3CR. 8.55 am. Ah, um, and that was called The Parting Glass um, by Cherished Ladies. Uh, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR, 8.55 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Uh, if you'd like to listen to one of our many podcasts, then you can find us on your preferred pod- podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. You can also contact us via 3CR on 03 9419 8377 or email us at 3CRLivingFree uh, 3CR at gmail.com or via Twitter as 3CRLivingFree. Um, just a reminder that the Radiothon is coming up next month, uh, so keep us in mind if you'd like to help support the station. Uh, and today I'm talking with Terry, and we're talking about recovery from compulsive gambling with the help of Gamblers Anonymous. Um, so, Terry, we finished off talking about losing your home mm-hmm. and having three kids. Yep. So that must have made your life a lot more difficult. Yeah, I think um, as a single parent on the pension, um, it was really hard to uh, to make ends meet, you know, and gambling out of control too wasn't helping with the food situations and stuff like that, petrol stuff. Yeah. yeah. So gambling on a pension must be very difficult. Um, yeah, but it doesn't matter how much you're putting through. Yeah. It's the actual action that you're doing. And, um, you know, someone might be a millionaire and what I put through is nothing to them. It's like pocket change. Yeah. And um, it's, it's really just the addiction of... The action of doing the action—it's not a uh, monetary thing; it's more an emotional thing, an escapism. Yeah, I I understand that too. It, it's it's getting it's forgetting about everything else. Mm. Yep. So, how does it feel when you're actually gambling? When I'm gambling, I have no no thoughts of anyone else. I'm just in the zone and uh, I'm away from everything. Uh, I'll give you a, an example. I dropped my son off. Uh, the footy training when he was under nines, and I thought I'd go down for a quick, you know, waste a bit of an hour while he trains. And uh, I came back about three hours later with the senior coach with his arm around my son, and, and it's pouring rain and my son crying because I'd forgotten all about him for yeah. the whole time, you know. And that's the sort of stuff that kills you afterwards, like you feel it in your heart, you know. but. That's the sort of stuff also my son, who was nine then, is now 30, remembers. Yeah. And froze up at me every time we get together and, you know, stuff like that. I also put a bill in his name when he was 12, which today him and his uh, fiancée are trying to get a house. And that bill is causing dramas. Yeah. So we have to get that fixed, you know. So, yeah, there's a lot of guilt that comes to it too when you get out of that venue. When you're out of the venue, the guilt's there. When you're in the venue, you don't think of anyone, don't care Guilt-free, yep. 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 Mm. Um, so how long did it take you before you started thinking, this is this is a problem that I've got to fix? Um, 
I think the first time I've, I've felt that problem was when I was sitting on a machine, the kids were at school, I had a bank full of money from my pension and my maintenance from my ex-wife, and I knew that that machine wasn't going to pay out and I knew I wasn't leaving before all the money was gone mm. and I had tears rolling down my face knowing I had nowhere to turn. Um, and, yeah, that was when I knew I had to do something, yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I rang AA and asked him if it was an Alcoholics equivalent. Anonymous, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and asked him if it was an equivalent for a gambler and they gave me the details of Gambler's Anonymous. Okay. Yeah. So that was about how long ago? Uh, that was about 1998. Okay, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had many, many visits into Gambler's Anonymous and out of Gambler's Anonymous and I've had time up. Of like two years and then I've had time up where I've had 15 years back gambling where I've gone back I've, I've, I actually had a run in with someone at Gambles and I'm going to say I thought I'd fix them yeah, and leave <laughs> <laughs> but I only fixed one person and that was a guy in the mirror yeah. um, and I came back to Gambles and I'm and I had about four or five different tries <laughs> and I kept coming back in on days of the road day five and then four years ago, last Tuesday, I just decided that's it. You know, I, I heard little things. The best thing I heard was to be content with what you got. That was the best thing I heard. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter if I'm on a pension. doesn't matter if um, I'm on a wage. Whatever I can afford. And I've got a roof over my head. I've got food in the cupboard. And I've got petrol in the car. I'm content. And I was never content when I was a single parent. I was always trying to prove that I was better than that. I was always trying to prove that I was better than my ex-wife who was earning more money than me. You know what I mean? And uh, the content with what you got is just fantastic. Mm. So can I take you back to when you first got into Gamblers Anonymous? Yep. What was the thing that gave you a bit of hope? Uh, As I first walked into the door, I was on one day off um, off the punt. And to hear someone on 15 days, it was like, wow, how can you get 15 days? <laughs> how can you do that? Uh, and then to hear people on three years, four years, ten years, and the hope was there. If they can do it, and their stories were very similar to mine, if they could do it, I could do it. Um, and the, the biggest bit of hope is that I only have to do it for 24 hours and then I can do it again tomorrow. Yep. Where I'm not planning my next five years or plan you know it's just today if i do exactly what bob did or what rog did or whatever i can have that day free of uh gambling gambling and anxiety and everything yeah yeah. and stress and you know when you're putting the food on the table like my kids grew up on noodles and sausages but once i stopped gambling they were getting proper meals you know like yeah so, yeah, because I was doing, like, $50 shops for three kids and an adult. For, for a week. For a week. I was yeah. Noodles, 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 yeah. And I was planning it out. I was doing well, but they weren't. No. They weren't. And um, I'm, I, I have to bring up this because I just got the image of it. I remember my mum wouldn't give me money, but I went to Knox City and um, she's standing, she told me to meet her there. And she's standing there with a trolley full of food for the kids. Mm. But she wouldn't give me money. Yeah. Mm. Well, that, that's wise, isn't it? Yeah, she's, yeah. she's a bit she smarter knew. than me. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the, the other thing that um, must be difficult is coming back after you start gambling. Yep. You leave GA. You said you left for about 15 years. Yep. yep. So in that 15 years, what was it like, you know, being out there, knowing you had a problem, but you couldn't get the want to to come back? What happened in that 15 years? I didn't go back to the pokies, right? So I was, I'd stopped the pokies, but I went back to uh, playing the keno. On the, you know, because you go for yeah. a meal and there's a yeah. keno up there. And I went back to playing that, and it wasn't until I started going, all right, I need four keno's, I need five keno's, I need six keno's. All of a sudden, instead of going for the meal, I'm going for the keno and having a meal with it, that I realised that I was getting compulsive again and that I was going to be out of control. Because I used to do like four numbers. I'd do my birthday numbers and whatever age I was. Then I had to do my kids. Then I had to do my mum. Then I had to do my dad. And it was just getting to just tickets everywhere, yeah. you know. And then I knew I had to come back because I was, that keynote was going to turn into my poker machine again. Yeah. You know, so. And, and walking back in the door, yeah. what was it like after being away 15 years? Um, very re- resentful at first, looking at people that were around when I was at their first meeting. <laughs> That had ten years off and twelve years off and stuff like that, and it was egotistic, like oh, I'm better than you. But it wasn't until I dropped that ego and started listening, and uh, like I was in a steps meeting one day. A steps meeting is where you go through step one and you know yeah. twelve up to twelve. And one guy said to me, "Put a value on your days," because like I kept coming back on on zero days, zero days. He said, "Put a value on your days." So I put a monetary value on it. So every day has a monetary value to me now. And um, I'm four years and a week off, and that monetary, you can't win that out there. No. The value that i You can't buy it, no. No. So um, that was the best thing I ever heard uh, besides um, be content with what you got. And that guy is still coming to GA, and uh, last I saw he was on three weeks. So, um, you know, he doesn't realise how much he helped me, but he didn't help himself. But but that's all right. He's there there every week. Everybody has their own journey. Yeah. 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 Um, So getting getting involved in GA helps. So what sort of things have you done in GA that has helped you? Um, I started up a meeting in Berwick. Um, I... Get involved in service with all the with all the groups I go to, and that's another big thing I've done this time in the last four years. Rather than what I did the first time was I go to at least four to five meetings a week, yeah. where I was just going to the one meeting or once every fortnight. So I get service wherever I go. So even if it's just been the coffee and tea lady, yeah. you know, it's got to be helping out or even putting the chairs away, putting the chairs yeah. away service. Yeah. Um, soon as a new member walks in, I go over and talk to them, you know, make them feel welcome, make them feel they're at home, um, they're with family, you know. We've had members walk in with their parents. So the big thing today is the youth that are on their phones gambling at home. We have to go into a venue, right? We have to go into a venue and sign in. These guys are sitting on the toilet with their phones <laughs> gambling away. I, I would hate to think I was gambling during those times. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. It's frightening, isn't it? Uh, and these kids uh, are just getting fed gambling on TV, you know, sports bet, on their favourite sports 
football, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So it's harder. For, it's going to be harder for them. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be epidemic. Yeah. Well, we get sick of the gambling ads on TV. So yeah. <laughs> it must really upset people who want to give up. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we might take another break. Luciano and Georgia Keats, supported by the Australian Queer Archive, present Queer Ways, retracing Melbourne's queer footprint. Queer Ways is a community art project that maps the queer history of Melbourne, combining our community's stories and voices, past and present, into a permanent, interactive record of being queer in Melbourne. Visit www.queerways.melbourne now to record your story in queer history and explore our city's untold history. Queer Ways, a 3CR supporter. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Ah, and that was, uh, the song was uh, Hold You In My Arms by the Warumpi Band. Uh, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR, digital radio, and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. And today I'm talking with Terry, and we're talking about recovering from compulsive gambling with the help of Gamblers Anonymous. Um, so Terry, uh, the last few years have been uh, difficult, you know, particularly uh, the COVID year of 2020. So what was the, um, the impact of, of COVID on you and, and the GA Fellowship? Um, on the GA Fellowship, it, it went on to Zooms, Zoom meetings, which made it that you could do a meeting a day. And it made it quite comfortable because you didn't have to get in your car and drive to a meeting. You could actually just walk to your computer. Um, but I think also with the COVID... A lot of people were looking for stuff to do and they were picking up addictions and I picked up another two during COVID. So um, I picked up uh, Uber Eats, which is an addiction in itself, and um, Netflix. So, <laughs> so uh, I got a lot of Netflix uh, going through COVID. I was lucky to have my daughter at home with me as well. So we, we could chat and whatever. I wasn't like stuck at home by myself. So, yeah. Yeah. So did you did you enjoy doing meetings on Zoom? Was that something that enabled you to keep in contact? Yeah, Zoom was like a, a little bit of a crutch to keep you in contact with the with the stories and um, with other members. Um, but there's nothing better than a face to face, shake a hand, give a hug, meeting to someone who needs it. You can't do that over Zoom. You can only, you know, sort of give you give give you, you know, love over the over the computer you know what i mean you can't yeah. actually physically go let's go and have a coffee and chat about this or yeah. you know yeah yeah were you surprised at the number of people who hadn't been to ga before who went on zoom yeah i was yeah a lot of people were finding it uh and i think because of covid 
they were picking up the addictions and they were picking up gambling because gambling just skyrocketed through COVID. So, yeah. you know, so they're bored, they're not working. Um, and what do you do? You gamble, drink or um, drug. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, did I guess if, if we go back to a few years ago since we last spoke to you, so how, how has your life changed since you were able to stop gambling four years ago? Yeah, well, in the, in the last four years, and I've been on four cruises. In 2018, I went on my first cruise, and as I was pulling out of Melbourne, I had tears streaming down my face because it was a dream for life. <laughs> and uh, we're pulling out of Melbourne, and they got that song playing by Journey, you know. Um, well, I don't know what it's called, but it's by Journey. <laughs> Someone will know it out there. And, um, you know, I'm just living my dream. My dream was happening, you know. And uh, I've been to overseas now in that four years. I uh, went to Vanuatu for the first time. I went to Perth to watch Essendon get beat by Frio, and there's nothing worse than hearing <laughs> the whole Optus Stadium going Frio, Frio as you walk into the station in your Essendon jumper. But, um, you know, I've been everywhere since, and it's all been cut thanks to GA because I'm now learning how to manage money, or I do now, now how to manage my money, I do a budget every week and I know where to get support to, say, get a loan for that cruise and pay it off. And four cruises in four years ain't bad. And during COVID, you know, like we had my daughter and I went on our last cruise two weeks before COVID hit. Right. It was the New Year's cruise and then COVID hit. Yeah. So we were very lucky to get on that and we got one booked for this New Year's, so... Okay, well, I I hope that works out. Yeah. (laughs) We had one booked for um, October last year, and, uh, yeah, we, yeah, don't know if it's ever going to (laughs) happen. Yes, that's life. Um, So um, did did you find it really difficult um, in the last four years, you know, with with life, Mm -hmm. once you stop gambling? Is, Is stopping gambling, does that solve your problems? No, I actually picked up other addictions. Yeah. And um, I was um, getting onto sleeping pills to help me sleep, um, Valium and um, Endones and um, Targin. I was getting onto them. And I actually went to my mum about four months ago, four or five months ago. I said, I think I've got another addiction. And she said, well, do something about it, right? (laughs) And um, I looked up. Narcotics Anonymous, yeah. and I went to my meeting, first meeting that night. So I'm actually doing that fellowship as well. Yeah. And so how's that helping you? You know, given that you've already understand the twelve steps, yep. you understand how to live. So what's so special about going to a fellowship that focuses on a specific issue? Well, I think if I'm if I'm focusing on, if I'm a gambler, I need to hear other gamblers' stories, and uh, to to find the similarities to my story and to, that will give me hope, you know, because if if a gambler walks in tonight, I open up Karen meeting tonight, and if a gambler for the first time walks in tonight and hears my story, he's got hope that, okay, in four years' time, he might be going on cruises, you yeah. know what I mean? Or he might put down the, the gambling and um, have money for food for his family, you know? When I go into Narcotics Anonymous, I hear other stories of people who are on the pills, and the pills prescribed by doctors so Mm. you don't realize you're picking up an addiction you know what i mean until you can't put them down yeah you know 
And um, so I need to hear those stories in those rooms. Uh, I can't do the pills in GA because I'm not hearing it. No. And I need to hear the similarities. And I've got 105 days uh, free in that fellowship. And, you know, I'm only a baby in there, even though I know how it works. I know, and, you know, through Gambles Anonymous, I learnt the 90 meetings in 90 days. So I did that through NA, 90 meetings in 90 days. And I now have a car full of people that come to a meeting with me daily, you know, and, and they're doing their 90 meetings in 90 days. So it's like a meeting in the car as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so that's the knowledge of GA has assisted me in the other fellowship really, really well. Yeah. So, and, you know, vice versa. You know, if someone comes into GA and they've got problems with others and they talk to me, I can go, well, I go here on a Wednesday night. You know, and uh, you wouldn't say it in the meeting, you'd say it after the meeting while you're having a coffee. Yep. You know, so. So what... How specifically did NA help you to understand the nature of the problem that you got? How did they help me? Yeah. Um, well, really, I knew I had the nature of the problem. Yeah. Um, it was just listening to the stories. When I first walked in, I, I, I was um, believing about the pills and that. But the more I, I listened, it was just addiction again. It's a it's an illness of addiction. It doesn't matter what I pick up. You know, if I pick up, um, say I go to the bakery and I love their pies, you know, I could pick up a pie addiction where I'm there every day, you know what I mean? Mm. Well, I did pick up the food addiction with the uh, counter meals because I was playing the keno and eating. And Associating you know. the two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so did you find you missed the drugs or not? I think, yep, for the first, um, probably the first eight days, I struggled real bad. I was getting angry. I was um, I was just wanting to go and take one so I could get some sleep. But I also knew through GA that if I did, I'd be back on that cycle again, back, 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 you know, into the rooms, out of the rooms, into the rooms, out of the rooms. And... Um, I'm doing so well in NA at the minute because of my GA experience from 1998 through to now. Yeah. I don't want to go away for 15 years and come back on something like heroin or, you know, I don't want to do that. And I know that's where it could lead me next. And I know a lot of people that have been on pills from the stories in NA will go to the heroin because it's cheaper or their doctors won't give them to them anymore. I actually um, had people getting them from doctors for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Other people that yeah. could get them. I used to have them get them for me. So, yeah. Did that take much effort to arrange that with people or were they nah, quite happy? Nah. Yeah. I, they're called Dr. What You Want or Dr. How Long or, yeah. you know, it, 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 they, they know where they are. They know yeah. where they are. Most yeah. people do. Yeah. And this person I was getting to get them, well, she, um, she can get anything she wants from her doctor. Yeah. She just has to put on the tears or... Whatever. Yeah. Right. Okay. So back to GA then. Yep. Um, so I guess how how has it um, changed your attitude towards gambling in real terms? In in as much as can you see it and not get excited? It, 
are you um, not so much uh, I guess proof against it but is there any residual desire to gamble there's none none today but that's because I've done the, the, the done. go back for 15 years yeah. um, sometimes you know when you're looking at the footy and you think oh that's a you know that's a easy bet you know yeah. but to me I can see myself never betting again one day at a time now I gave up smoking 19 years ago through the same program and I haven't smoked and I see myself feeling the same way with the gambling at the moment I'll never gamble again but I have to say to myself I have to get up every day again and make that pact that I'm not going to gamble today and that's what I do every day and geez when you see four cruisers and you go to Perth for the first time and you go to Adelaide to watch Essendon beat Port Adelaide and you go to Brisbane there's no, there's no incentive to go back because everything you wanted when you were gambling is happening when you're not gambling. Yeah. And I'm doing all these things on a pension. Yeah, I'm doing these on a pension, mate. You yeah. Know? yeah. Imagine if you're working. Yes. You know. <laughs> so you'd have to take time off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you got the money to to yeah, do that. To do that. You yeah. Know? yeah. And what about family? How's how's your family responded, particularly your kids, mm-hmm. to the fact that you're not gambling now? Um. I think they're very supportive. My my my. I always go to my thirty-year-old son because he copped the most out of them because he was the one who was left with the kids because he was the oldest. He was the one that was yelled at because I was angry because he was the oldest, and mm. you know. Um, so I always go back to him. So he's got he's going to have a lot of resentments on me for life, and I can accept that. But he's also proud that I'm doing this. Um, well, the other two really doesn't. I've still got my daughter living at home with me, my 26-year-old, and she's been living with me since she was one. So she just, I think she's just happy that I'm doing it. Um, she's the one who benefits from all these cruises and stuff because she comes with me. So yeah. we go and we go to the Essendon games together. She she loves Essendon like we all do, and uh, you know we're not as bad as we look, um, and. <laughs> You know, she she benefits. Um, I've also got another two daughters that I don't see from another relationship, and one of them is actually on ice at the moment, and I'm trying to get her into NA. So, um, you know, I think my three kids that I raised are all proud of me. So I know mum is. I give mum every badge I get from GA. Yeah. I give it to my mum. Yeah. Because she... She's owed a lot, a lot of heartache. You know, she she went through for all those years. You know, and she adopted me. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, she's still looking after me at fifty three. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes, it's um, it is a commitment, isn't it, to to family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so with your son, then is you know, do you see any way of improving the situation? Or is it just really up to him to decide that? No, I've actually uh, spoke to him and his fiancée and we're trying to get the credit rating sent out, which I think they're doing now. Then I'll go to the court and accept that that's my responsibility and make a payment plan to him in a um, in a legal document mm. so I could never be out of it. Like, it's going to be a court-ordered document and then, you know, if I die and my insurances pay out, well, he'll get the amount 
So yeah, yeah. Now we're working on that really, really good. But see, I only found out about it before Christmas. I didn't know he, he was sitting on it for ten, twelve years. You know. Yeah. So I'm only just finding out about this now. So I could see now why there was so much anger towards me over the last. Because I used to sit there and think, "Oh, I raised you. Why aren't you coming yeah. to visit me?" But now I can see why. Yeah. Because he has so much resentment for what I did to the poor kid. Yeah. You know, and he was only twelve. Yeah. He yeah. he didn't deserve that. No. So. Yeah. No, it is a bit. It's very sad, isn't it? The 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 impact gambling or alcohol or drugs has on families is is really pronounced and most of the time you know the gambler or the the addict or the alcoholic doesn't realize the impact because they're focused on the addiction yeah and then when they realize it it's yeah it is an eye-opener that's for sure yeah you can't really realize until you actually get some time off it some sobriety yeah yeah, yeah that's right uh, Okay. Um, well, if there's anybody out there who'd like to find out more about Gamblers Anonymous, um, you can phone them on in Melbourne, 03 9696 or you can go online at gaustralia.org.au. Um, so, Terry, is there anything you'd like to say to, to people who might be considering going to something like GA? You know? Yep. If you're going to come, if you, if you want some help, you come to GA, you're going to meet people that are very friendly They'll have their hand open, ready to shake your hand. And whatever your story is, we've heard it before. There's nothing bad that we haven't heard. So, And also you'll find that we will understand more than someone who doesn't gamble. You know, We'll understand what you're going through. We'll understand the days that you were crying in your room because no one understood you. So, yeah, just, just make that first step into the door and keep coming back because it works if you work it. Yep. Thank you. Um, okay, Terry, well, uh, thanks a lot for coming to the 3CR studio today and sharing your gambling and recovery story with us. No worries. Go Bombers. <laughs> uh, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll feature recovery from compulsive drinking and we'll be joined by Hayley from Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, stay tuned now for more great uh, radio on 3CR. Um, I think the next show up is Alternative. And um, to take us out, we've got a song called... Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps by these Delero sisters. You won't admit you love me And so how am I ever To know you always tell me Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps a million times I've asked you And then I ask you over Again you only answer Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps If you can make your mind up We'll never get Please don't tell me